it's not as complicated as people are saying, which is no. the sad part. I, did you see the the Michael Brooks video that was yeah. going around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I like that a lot. Where it's like this is a a state power with tremendous amounts of power and a group of people who exist in an open air prison. Like it's not actually as complicated as people talk about. It's like one side has yeah, all the power. Listening, bro. Everybody is frozen on my screen. <laughs> Dude, you you cut out through you're still cut out, man. You're still gone. I mean, you can hear me, right? So it's oh. not me. It's it's Nicholas. You're not allowed to say that. Ah! <laughs> Amazing. I can't wait till you come back. Okay. Oh, they fucking cut him out completely. Yo, dude. Welcome back. Dude. The, you I... can't. You... <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, I, I lost the internet. Um, which I don't know what that means, mm-hmm. but you lost internet is a passive way of saying tapped. they cut your yeah they cut your internet. Out. We are being tapped. Let's use the active voice. I literally here. thought that's why we have Emmy because she's our NSA handler and she lets us get away with it because it's like satirical. No, when, she's the mafia. She's, she's the mafia. She's the one that's sitting there hitting that fucking button to cut us out, and she's going, oh oh, oh what's going on? <laughs> Say that thing about Palestine again or don't. Welcome to the Hegelian Friendship Simulator, the only podcast on the internet where we try and uncover the truth of the universe. One Wikipedia article at a time. Mm-hmm. I am, of course, joined today by um, the most wonderful Alex Virgil. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. What an in- introduction. Um, and I, of course, am joined by the most eloquent, articulate friend john nicholas thank you virgil and uh as always um we are joined alongside us today with our producer and nsa informant emmy sack how are we doing today guys oh it's totally chill not like we just talked about israel palestine for an hour and then deleted it Yeah, Lis- listener, we're some pretty... we're not gonna touch on the subject. If you want to know what we have to say about it, contact us individually. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll release we'll the say. um the Snyder cut of our Israel Palestine in in five years. How yeah. how long after the original Justice League did the Snyder Cut Justice League come out? Uh, original Justice League came out Thanksgiving 2017. Jesus, that you know that on the dot is... I only know that because I watched it with... Well, it didn't come out Thanksgiving, but it was like fall. But I watched it with my family while I was over mm. 
uh, visiting. I'm sure they loved that. I'm sure they all loved that. They picked that. that over Thor Ragnarok, which was the one that I said we should go watch. So I was trying to steer my family in the right direction. I've known Virgil for a very long time, listeners, and I, before we started this podcast, um, vastly underestimated how much he liked comic book movies and superhero movies. If I uh, had known this the full extent, we would have never started this podcast again. I never. I never. I, never. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm just personally living in a fantasy world where they made 15 Johnny Utah films. Um <laughs> And it has its own cinematic universe That's, that is deeper and stronger than anything the Marvel comic universe could I can't believe you said with. that because Jake um, and I were literally joking about a Point Break extended universe today. Would have been great. Today. Johnny Utah, could he could have been an action star a la James Bond. Mm-hmm. I would have watched literally 15 and maybe once Keanu gets a little too old then it goes I don't know who maybe Chalamet maybe it's Timothy Chalamet (laughs) Zendaya Zendaya (laughs) okay yeah fair enough always Zendaya um uh what were we oh I was we were saying um imagine Keanu Reeves and Vin Diesel in Fast Break oh my god High oct- oh we'll talk about God. a high octane movie. Uh, Point Break Extended Universe. You heard it here first. Yeah, please, someone write it. Keanu's not washed, man. Have you seen John Wick? He it's absolutely crazy. could still be Johnny Utah. He absolutely, absolutely could do it. He's gonna be Neo again. He's ageless. He he's is ageless. ageless. Yeah. Yeah. God, he's the best. He he's the best. best. He's the he's the fucking best. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, Verge, do we have any unfinished business? Oh, yo, I have some unfinished ass business regarding mummies. Yeah. Yes, regarding good. All right, mummies. Let's hear it. All right, Huffington Post today Ooh, under nice. in the crime section. Seven people charged after mummy of spiritual leader found in home. Ooh, wow. The, the body of now this doesn't give you any like location or anything, so I was starting to think like this is going to be some like way out there situation. The body of Amy Carlson, leader of a spiritual group called Love Has One, was found okay. decorated with Christmas lights and glitter in a southern Colorado home. Mm. Something about religion and preserving the uh, corporeal form of your spiritual leaders. I don't know what to make of it, but um, after talking um, about like yeah. Buddhists heavily getting into it and then the and then the news is literally like uh one of carlson's followers who has not been charged told investigators that he took it he took in the group because they needed a place to stay and he found the body in a back bedroom when he returned home from a trip to denver he called police and said he believed that the group had brought carlson's body to his home from california and okay how long had she been dead oh on on unspecified unspecified possibly specified i didn't get that far i wonder i don't know how that is a mummy and not just a dead body because it's not decaying like if you I think like so. if you kill okay question question if you kill someone mm-hmm. they're dead you maybe poison them right yeah you um mum do you go through the mummify 
mummification process like let's say you take out their internal organs Mm -hmm. do i don't know do whatever you need to do embalm them right um and two weeks later Mm -hmm. the fbi comes to your your door Mm -hmm. is that a mummy because it's a non-decaying body or is it just a dead body how what how much time do you need before a mummy becomes a mummy most journalists have never had to think about it until today on the Huffington <laughs> until Post. Until Amy Carlson, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, when does a body become a mummy? That's a funny question. That's a question you don't want to think about too high. When does a body become a mummy? When all the scarabs are done. Uh, it... I the first link is Mummy Wikipedia, so we might never know this. I don't know. We might need to do our. We might need to do like an ask an anthropologist uh, to to find that. We one might out. need just need to ask Dave Chang and be like, "Yo, you know when Bonito becomes Katsuobushi? Yeah. You know when when that shit becomes a petrified? Because that's essentially what it is. Yeah, you're just making human, Bonito flakes is human Bonito flakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, I guess the other way to put what I said was that that would be a pretty good like um like not death metal but like like I would call it like surf metal yeah like yeah, a good yeah. band name would be Human Bonita Flakes because there's there's um there's that like kind of like bubble pop group called Caro Caro Bonito oh yeah and yeah. I think to to actively be the antithesis to that. You could just yeah, be you, human bonito flake. Human bonito flakes, I like that. And your first, your first album is called Raw. <laughs> is it R A H or R A W? That's kind of where the artistic, Ooh. the wordplay comes. I like from. that. I like that. Yeah, I like the that. sun god never dies, and it's hot, and it makes your body raw. The decomposition as as rebirth. Woo! Yo, Human Bonita Flakes got some good lyrics, dude. <laughs> um, that's my goes. unfinished business, The Haunting of Amy Carlson. Michael Collins has not yet spoken to me. God, that guy's a dick. He yeah. just holds it over your head. Well, because I was getting all spooky and shit, and he was like, he's going to out me much quicker than I, I want to haunt the these grounds a little longer. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, I don't have, I don't have much... Um... I don't have much in the way of of haunting hauntingness or unfinished business. Um, it looks like there is a, a a new video game coming out called Psychonauts. Oh yeah, it looks cool. Is it? I is don't. It kn- I have no idea, but it looks cool. <laughs> I'm yeah. out of the game. I'm out of the game. Yo, my my sh- a- shoulders and my arms and my neck muscles were just way too tight. I had to put the games down for good. Oof. I'm out the game. I only play I only play one game and it's Civilization Six. So In between your Pokemon replays. Oh god. I haven't when, played Pokemon. I, I was gonna say Pokemon when was the last a long, long time. When was I the went last through a phase time? in uh like twenty eighteen, maybe. I like picked it back up for a second. Pretty recent for Yeah. Yeah. Pretty recent. It is pretty recent, yeah. Whatever. Whatever. that's fine yeah it's fine and i'm the weird one because i like <laughs> comics <laughs> all right i will stand by the pokemon 
universe is way more interesting than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's just way more going on there. Way more. At and least there's like about... a reason for characters to be created in this one. Not just like, ah, oh, geez, we have a quota to hit. All right, put a piece of bubble gum and uh, um, a TV together. This is going to be called Bubble Vision. This is, this is uh, Rich, a Marvel f- fan talking about quotas to hit. <laughs> I'm not a Marvel fan. I have just seen all of them, and then I my brain keeps really good track of movie stuff. <laughs> uh, Causation, Virg- correlation, whatever. I um I will say I don't know what time it is today. Do you know oh, what time it is today? Oh, should I should I have known what time it is? <laughs> <laughs> if you if you can, if not, um, um, I can I can check the clock real quick. Yeah, will you check the clock for me? Yeah, yeah. Um, hold on. Let me see. <laughs> oh, it's motherfucking time for... I don't remember what we called it last time. Sp- surprise Badass of the Week. Ooh, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. All right, now let me pull it up. All right, so today we have Countess Kodenhove Kalergi. Countess, oh, Countess. I'm sorry. Yeah, say her name again. <laughs> um, the way the way I'm introducing it is the Countess of Kodenhove Kaler Kalergi, which is a oh, German sure. thing, place place or fan, I don't know how they do that stuff because you know I come from a peasant uh, lineage. Um, yeah, which sure. I say with pride. Pride. Um, but her name is Mitsuko. Thekla Maria. Wow. Okay. Who was one of the first Japanese people to immigrate to Europe after becoming the wife of Austro-Hungarian diplomat Heinrich von Kodenhove Kalergi. Wow. In okay. Tokyo. I dig it. Um, so she is this Japanese woman who was born in 1874. So that hmm. is less than a decade after uh the the black ships arrived um aka mm-hmm. this is right in the initial initial wave of japan opening up um so okay but she was born like she was born in a world where japanese and europeans had already interacted but just barely. yes but like okay. ten, yeah 10 years so yeah okay um at the age of 17, she met the Austro-Hungarian diplomat, Count Heinrich von Kodenhove. Nice. Um, when she came to his aid after his horse slipped on ice. Whoa. Surprise Badass of the Week is just a bunch of, like, <laughs> probably, like, normal women who are married to, like, really useless men. Morons, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And, and, and uh, we're, like, we're, like, lionizing these otherwise, like, what should be considered pretty normal women. Yeah, um, because the the men they're associated with were just like <laughs> that derpy. He he burned his tongue on <laughs> some hot tea, and he couldn't speak for four weeks. <laughs> and by virtue of just doing his his job, which he can <laughs> yeah. do because he came into it and didn't have yeah. to work towards it, um, was something that she was able to pick up pretty easily. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, fucking hilarious. Heinrich gained her father's permission for her to be employed as a parlor maid in the leg- legation. And then after they fell in love, asked his permission for them to marry. The latter request was refused. Ooh, but the couple defied him and married on March 16th, 1892 in Tokyo. Hmm. She was 18. With the consent of the Austrian and Japanese foreign ministries. Right. So this is where the the uh, phrase, but the couple defied him, definitely makes you, uh, well, it should make you go, mm, I'll believe it when I see the transcript of how that conversation right. went down. Because this left Aoyama disinherited and banned from her father's house. Ooh. This ha- has happened so much up until way too recently. This kind of... Yeah, still probably happens. ...kind of thing. Um, she converted to Catholicism and was baptized by an anti-Masonic uh, Catholic priest, um, which means uh, the priest was uh, in a av- avowed opposition to Freemasonry. Um I I don't know. I'm not gonna say bigger too much about that. bigger thing in the 19th century. Yeah. They were really worried about it, and then it was like, oh, they don't really actually do anything. Although, mm-hmm. unless you think that the Masons won, and the Freemasons are controlling everything, also something to sit on. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Keep going. Uh, it it must not be true because uh, the audio didn't cut out. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Well, yeah, that's how we're going to determine whether things are true or yeah. not. Um, in 1896, she was received at an imperial reception for foreign diplomats' wives by Empress Aisho. Um, as a commoner, she would never have been granted such an audience. But as a countess and ambassador's wife, she was. So even in her own country, she was only able to meet the empress because she was the wife of a powerful white man (laughs) brutal the couple then refused okay now i'm starting to remember that i think i put this on the list not necessarily of surprise badasses but like shit we need to unpack about history (laughs) um the the couple then returned to europe where mitsuko and her two sons johan johannes and richard took over management of the estates, family estates in Bohemian Ronsberg. Once established, Mitsuko learned French, German, mathematics, geography, and history. In an attempt to counter the hostility in Reinhardt concerning his return with a foreign wife. Five more children would be born to Heinrich and Mitsuko. Heinrich died in 1906, and Mitsuko took over the estates and the children's upbringing and education while studying law and economics herself hell yeah wonderful when her second son richard proposed to marry an actress ida roland uh mitsuko became intensely angry and forbade their marriage oh no okay <laughs> she disparaged Full circle she disparaged yeah right she disparaged richard and his bride with the words beggar and witch because actresses were seen as a lowly occupation in Japan. <laughs> mm, maybe not crazy badass. She disinherited I, I, him. I dig her. I think this is a story of the times, so to speak. Mitsuko well, never it, again returned to Japan. She died in 1941 due to a second stroke. She, 
she suffered in her life. But I did. I kind of. I don't know. I mean, I kind of dig that she seems, based on her Wikipedia article, mm-hmm. to have never like. I don't know to eschewed some of the kind of like what is now a very negative trope of like an Asian woman being subservient, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I don't know. There's like a, a bit of that, like, and she didn't like complete. I think that the part about the actress like forbidding the marriage is kind of funny and interesting. That like it's like right. still you know in the the twilight of her life lived in the Austrian court, she's still like being like, well, Mm -hmm. in Japan where it really matters, this lady is a witch or a beggar. So absolutely not. That's so funny. I think the reason I like caught on to this, obviously the Japan thing, blah, blah, blah. Um, Yeah. But it, it, you know, it reminds me of my mom's move out. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it was very much like she found herself 19 a year into college and being like, oh, this society is not going to take care of me. Yeah. And, um, you know, say what you will about the U.S. now, but for someone who's 19, a woman in Japan, right, when, and, and her upbringing was in, like, trying to recover from the war, Japan, into this hyper-masculine economic right. surge... To make that decision is something I think I will respect because it very much, you know, led to who I am as a person Um, and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, the memory of Mitsuko Aoyama or Mitsuko Tekla Maria, Countess of Kodenhove, Kalergi. I like it. I I also, um, I I jumped on the the Wikipedia page with you here Mm -hmm. and I ended up clicking on her husband mm-hmm. and i just wanted to share a quick factoid about her husband that i find oh. interesting and surprisingly relevant to what okay please about. yeah that's amazing um so uh there's only one section outside of the bio at the top for heinrich von kudenhove kalergi mm-hmm. um and it's it's titled views on race and religion oh wow now i'm looking at it please continue i'm looking yeah. at it now <laughs> It says, in his youth, Heinrich Kudenhove Kalergi had been an anti-Semite. He had expected to confirm his antipathy towards the Jews when he started to work on his treatise, Das Wesen des Antisemitismus, the essence of antisemitism. But he came to a different conclusion by the time he published the book in 1901. Following an ironic critique of the new racial theories, he declared that the essence of antisemitism amounted to nothing more credible than fanatical religious hatred. Hell yeah. Wild. Hell yeah, Heinrich. (laughs) Yeah. What the fuck? Surprisingly relevant. Crazy, crazy snipe from your list of possible interest subjects. Yeah. That's the, that's the universe being like, yo, sorry, we fucked up your podcast the last couple of episodes. Here's a little. He, he credited the Jews with originating religious tolerance and condemned it as a, a violation of genuine religious principles. He branded every sort of uh, every sort of anti-Judaism unChristian. He f- further urged liberal Christians and Jews to ally in protecting both of their religions and religions as such against the emerging menace of secularism. Mm. So he like, it sounds like he had like a, 
kind of became like convinced that it was like these race theories of like people being, I don't know, intermixed. It, right. I don't know. Maybe we, we might've backed away into it not being cool again, but it's okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's very interesting. Cause something I've been thinking about, you know, is that concept that I briefly mentioned where it's like you, you have to go through hell to get to heaven, right. As a metaphor mm. for your mm-hmm. own, for your own existence. Um, and, uh, there's like a Zen, well, it's a Buddhist idea. I think it's Zen, where uh, it's to to kill the ego, so to speak. It's it's more effective to let it run its course. To mm. to to have the party lean into it so much so that they can't reconcile it anymore, instead yeah. of just opposing it and r- reprimanding it, you know. Yeah, because once you fulfill your ego, you realize that it's incredibly, you know, it's wrong or whatever. And this seems like that's what that's like what ended up happening to Heinrich, right? You know, who just like took it to the end and then was like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I love. I I find myself constantly with my job, like finding myself at the conclusion of the exact opposite of my personal convictions Mm -hmm. um not from like a moral standpoint but just from like the things that i like um constantly i'm like i like this and so therefore it should work and then i like do all the research and like study the data and i'm like this doesn't work at all (laughs) maybe part of the reason is because i like it yeah uh it's it's super funny yeah well i guess and and that's all we're gonna say on Israel Palestine. <laughs> but um Heinrich yes. von Kodenhof Kalergi, hell yeah. Um and uh his and and M- his Mitsuko and his wife and partner Mitsuko von Kodenhof Kalergi. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, we ready? Ready Freddy. <laughs> okay. So the the general topic that I want to talk about today are the Crusades. <laughs> <laughs> Easy twenty-minute um, conversation on the Crusades. Yeah, uh, you know, I it, it it was something that I had been thinking about in relation mm-hmm. to like a lot of the kind of upheaval and chaos that's happening in the Holy Land mm-hmm. um, uh, this past week, and um, I don't know, felt relevant as a thing to kind of talk about. Um, so I have a few, few different kind of topics and angles I want to go through. Okay. Um, but I'll I'll read the top level on what the Crusades are. Please. Um, so the Crusades were a series of religious wars initiated, supported, and sometimes directed by the Latin Church in the medieval period. Uh, mm-hmm. The term refers especially to the Eastern Mediterranean. So the yeah. Levant are uh, what is now israel palestine area of modern day um and they took place they took place between 1095 and 1271 Mm. um the objective was to conquer the holy land from islamic rule and the term has been applied to other church sanctioned campaigns um fought to combat paganism and heresy Mm -hmm. um among other things just like free thought in general i think is what yeah well okay so is it uncouth to say it so bluntly no i mean i think 
I think that um, conceptually, um, this is a real this is a real dark moment in yeah. humanity. Mm-hmm. But I would go so far as to say that the Crusades mm-hmm. and the kind of like um, large cultural presence that they held mm-hmm. in people's heads are like one of the direct precedents and kickstarters to the era of global settler colonialism mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we obviously still um kind of are experiencing the repercussions either explicitly or the you know based yeah on i'm, what's I'm definitely past. willing to entertain that so because i mean so conceptually i mean i, I at the very core, what they were is just this, um, they, they really started with the Byzantine Empire mm-hmm. um, clashing like directly across their border with um, people known as the Seljuk Turks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Seljuk, the Seljuk Empire um, was a Turco-Persian empire that stretched as far as um, modern-day Turkey through the entirety of Iran, mm-hmm. um, through Afghanistan and most of the Eastern Mediterranean, and then also like modern day UAE, basically. Right. Um, huge. I mean, huge empire that existed from um, looks like 1031 to 1194. Um, so actually, not not all that long. Um, the entire period, pretty much the entire period of the Crusades. Um, and so what happened in the first crusade was that the Byzantines were fighting with the Seljuk Turks and the Roman Catholic Church um, said to like across, kind of spread across Europe, if you want to volunteer, it will make you like holier to go fight in the name of Christianity against the Muslims who are trying to push forward into, mm-hmm. into Europe. Um, so when you think about it that way, I mean, like... I do want to frame this in the sense that there's like obviously a lot of like sin committed, right? Or like you know suffering that happened because of the Crusades. Mm-hmm. But to 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 kind of frame them as if they are like an act of evil, mm. or you know like or just like kind of in the same framework that you know we could maybe conceptualize. Mm-hmm what happened with the conquistadors say i think would be not nuanced enough or not even not nuanced but it's just like this was essentially a medieval war between mm-hmm. two groups of people and the the kind of crazy thing about the crusades was that it was a moment where europe in a kind of collective manner, culturally coalesced around something that it felt worth fighting for uh-huh. on a large scale, right? Mm-hmm. They also kind of led into, you know, this like, this Christian identity that is still pretty uh, toxic um, yeah. in like a lot of like European kind of ethno-nationalists like we had right. talked about earlier like, my my um, understanding very much comes from like af- af- after the first initial one once the the idea of the crusades has like had 
been set in stone as like a possible yeah. thing the church kind of used it when they needed to uh to rally its followers to its people against the common enemy and as a way to drum up support that would help politically and economically and and i think that you're right um but i do think the other kind of element of Mm -hmm the concept of the crusades Mm -hmm. that is both more forgivable Mm -hmm. and much 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 more dangerous Mm -hmm. is that the kind of ecosystem at all those involved found themselves to be true believers in the cause Mm. and so so i think your your reading isn't incorrect and obviously also We're not historians. Um, yeah. We are amateurs that are trying to understand the world through Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it strikes me that it wasn't quite as cynical as that. Mm. It was actually more fanatical, ah. which is scarier, right? Yeah. Like, it wasn't about like oh geopolitical power. It was like about reclaiming the Holy Land. It was about reconquering Spain. It was about all of these things that 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 were weaponized later in other movements like colonialism, everything at all. But but it wasn't you know it it, it it's the fanaticism is I think the part of the Crusades that is so eye opening. You know, and it, like kind of why, as a broad idea, it gets its, you know, its, uh, because, yeah, uh, so, you know, one of the things that I found interesting that I, I kind of had always memory hold or hadn't really given too much thought mm-hmm. is the concept of crusader states. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. okay, so the crusader states were feudal polities created by the Latin Catholic leaders of the First Crusade through conquest and mm. political subterfuge. And four states were established established in the Eastern Mediterranean. Um, the County of Edessa, the Principality of Antioch, which mm. is now um, Syria, mm-hmm. uh, the County of Tripoli, and the Kingdom of Jerusalem. Mm. And... The, the kingdom of Jerusalem, just because I think we all have the frame of reference and we like understand the geography of it, is right. one I want to focus on. The kingdom of Jerusalem existed from 1099 to 1291. Okay. So for 200 years, mm-hmm. French, mostly French um, warriors, mm-hmm. had overtaken... The city, like what is now modern day Israel, um, and were running it as a state. They were controlling, which is I, I kind of I got stuck on this this thing in the context of what's happening in Israel right now. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily to 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 talk about anybody's political ambitions or who's right and wrong, but just a, a sense of time, right? Right, right, Because right. Israel, was, Israel was formed in 1948. So it has been a country, a, an entity, for um, 74 years. Yeah. Uh, like, it's literally going to have its birthday, like, this month. 
within the next week or something. Yeah, I think it, it just did. Yeah, right. Oh, was, was it already fourteenth yeah. or something? Yes. Or, today? or yeah. Was it literally tomorrow. today? I mean, it's tomorrow. 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 Yeah. Jesus. Um. So, the the kingdom of Jerusalem, as it existed as a crusader state established um, by Godfrey of Bouillon, um, <laughs> existed for two. 190 years people were speaking french in jerusalem so like i like this that city has been around for so fucking long has it it's it just exist it, and so it is a, a, maybe a little bit of a point of reference mm-hmm. in the sense that well not to get too caught up in the fact that like evangelical christians are so supportive of the state of israel because right. the whole thing is that it when the jews control Israel again, and this you know second coming of Christ will happen. Blah blah right. blah. Um, but just more to focus on the fact that like this is a place. I don't know the suffering that is happening there now shouldn't be hand waved, but just to understand the historical context of suffering, just to think about Jerusalem as a place that has existed with so much history and so much th- so much happening in it, right? And like, yeah. I don't know it. We as single humans are um, overwhelmed and overcome by the sef- the suffering our others, or at least I mm-hmm. hope that we are, but that, like, the walls of Jerusalem have seen it all, you know? Yeah. It's, like, and, it's and impervious many, to many, many times over. Yeah, just, like, constantly overwrought mm-hmm. with with s- suffering and celebration and, 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 and all of... All the emotion, the entire emotional spectrum that man is capable of has happened in Jerusalem many times mm-hmm. over. I it's, don't know. I just think it's it's interesting. It's worth no, it's thinking about in your interesting. head. It's definitely interesting because, you know, I I have grown up, spent a lot of my like formative years comparing the ideology of the Crusades to like the Iraq War. Hmm. Right. This idea that, you know, it is the passions of the people that are driving it, but, you know, pulled or pushed by a state's, you know, right desires, but like very much still like tied inherently to the emotional passions of the populace and um it, it is kind of crazy to me that like we are pretty familiar with like the long-term cycles that jerusalem has gone through and yet for some reason the how uh, do we as a humanity keep coming to the conclusion that one people get pri- propriety over it right when when are we going to realize that it's got to be like a, everyone or no one right absolutely you know? Uh, yeah, no, I agree completely. It, it makes, it's, because uh, I, I didn't really understand um, why it's important. Well, so first of all, until this past week, I had never heard about Al-Aqsa Mosque. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the third most holy place in Islam. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I think, literally written in the Quran. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jerusalem is um, 
Well, oh, actually, this is the reason Al-Aqsa Mosque is written, is that there's a... Have you ever heard of the Knight's Journey? Is like a, a pretty major mm-hmm. part of like um, Islamic narrative. Okay. Um, it's it's a two part um, like two different stories in the mm-hmm. Quran that details a this like kind of basically like a dream the Prophet Muhammad has, okay. where he goes on this like this like spiritual journey through the middle east like the known world at the time mm-hmm. and part of that is him stepping foot inside al-aqsa mosque and like i don't i'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure if muhammad ever left i i i should know more about islam i that was kind of one of the things i wanted to to and then found myself like pivoting a little bit today but right um uh it, Muhammad is said to have traveled on the back of a winged baby horse-like white animal called Burak. Burak is lightning, or more generally bright, to Mm -hmm. the farthest mosque. By a tradition, this mosque, which came to represent the physical world, was identified as the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem since the Mm -hmm. 1920s. At Masjid Al-Aqsa, Muhammad is said to have led the other prophets in prayer. His subsequent ascent into the heavens came to be known as the Miraj. Um, Muhammad's mm-hmm. journey and ascent is marked as one of the most celebrated dates in the Islamic calendar. So, I mean, it, it's I I do think there like between Judaism and Islam and Christianity, there's so much like arguing about the physicality of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and yet there's also such this like beautiful, like interesting. Mm-hmm. synchronicity and choreography between the three religions and and how and why that city is so sacred mm-hmm. you know like it's 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 that much more interesting and that much more sacred because it's sacred to three different groups of people it's very interesting that trinities are so um heavily emphasized in all of these religions mm-hmm. and um the trinity of the three religions to come out of the same idea has not yet synchronized together yes um yeah it's very interesting you know because you could you could argue that judaism is the father christianity is the son yeah and islam um not the way fox news has characterized it the last 20 years but the, right. in the in the writings and with its lack of hierarchy and its those principles the version of the holy spirit and until those totally. three can fucking integrate there will not be hmm hmm we either just just looks like we just cracked the code <laughs> yeah, 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 folks yeah. we either just like simplified and reduced it and generalized it in a way that should is stupid as fuck or we fucking nailed it we did it we just did it (laughs) why hasn't anybody thought of this um (laughs) all right i wanted i want to talk about one more specific thing um that is very very interesting uh because there is just a fucking host of things to talk about when it comes to the crusades yeah um one subject that i think is particularly interesting is the crusades that were enacted within Europe. Like, mm. obviously, there's the Southern Crusades, which are the most famous. 
the Northern Crusades, which was a, a basically a, um, a war on the pagans um, of like Northern Scandinavia. Right. Like the last, the last parts of Europe that were still clinging to, to paganism. Uh-huh. And then there was also multiple crusades of specific towns that like so for example like the um the drenther crusade was a military campaign launched against the inhabitants of drentha uh or no sorry okay that was against a specific town in um the netherlands okay also was the um the steadinger campaign which was against peasants in the town of Stettingen in Germany, okay. who decided that they didn't want to work anymore, and so they launched a crusade because they were thought that they were heretics. The peasants were heretics for not wanting to work anymore. Uh, the church fucking... launched a crusade against the peasants. Yes. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, that's one of those. Really, that's one really of those good where uh, scripture there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of those where the pope was like, uh, "We gotta suppress these people." How are we going to get the funding? Call it's it a crusade. crusade. Call it a crusade. Uh, all right. So the last the last crusade, one of the most interesting ones, one of the most widely misunderstood, misattributed ones is the Children's Crusade. Oh. Are you familiar? Have you ever heard like... I've heard of it, crusade? but I don't know anything about it. So at its core, um, the traditional narrative, uh, which is likely conflated... Um, is that a boy begins to preach in either France or Germany. Okay. He claims that he's been visited by Jesus, okay. um, who says you need to lead a crusade in mm-hmm. order to peacefully convert Muslims to Christianity. Okay. Um, and through a series of portents and miracles, he gains a following of 30,000 children. Fuck yeah. He, he leads these the, this followers south to the Mediterranean Sea in the belief that the sea would part on their arrival. Um, it did not. Uh, yeah, and then the children are sold to two merchants who give free passage on boats to as many of the children as willing, and they are taken to Tunisia and sold as slaves. Oh, that is the story—the traditional story, the traditional oh, okay. Oh, okay, story. Okay. The children's concern. Uh, I mean, it's not much better, but uh, <laughs> that is like the the story that got oh, passed that's down. So sad. Yeah, brutal, brutal stuff. Um. Actually, so first of all, um, there's no actual, nothing to actually say that this was actually just children. Mm. Um, The language of the historians of the time in the 13th century used the terms parvuli or infantes. Okay. um, Which could be misinterpreted into children, but more likely was like, the poor um Mm. it was like you know like especially um so medieval writers often split up a life into four major parts with a variety of age ranges associated them and the church uses this used this like for societal coding um and it's another history says that the crusaders left the plow carts plows or carts which they were driving and the flocks which they were pasturing, mm. adding the, to the idea of it being not puerti, the age, but puerti, the societal moniker. Another right. spelling, pueri, translate precisely into children, but indirectly means the powerless, 
A number of them tried to reach the Holy Land, but others never intended to do so, and early accounts of events of which there are many variations told over the centuries uh, are largely apocryphal. Um, and then there's, there's other histories about the wandering poor. So actually what happened, or I mean, I, again, I'm not a historian, but what a lot of people say is that it wasn't 30,000 children, but the, the aimless poor of France and Germany hmm. being convinced of doing something else with their life being right. entirely frustrated with fly, their flock of sheep or mm -hmm. their plow or their cart mm -hmm. and someone saying, let's go to the Holy Land, mm -hmm. Jesus told me. And they just like join arms. And um, in fact, an actual historical account is of this guy, Nicholas of Germany. And he was a shepherd. Okay. And he said that you know um that he needed to go lead a crusade against the muslim kingdoms um and so a bunch of people agreed to come with him and they walked across europe fucking two out of three people died on the journey oh, yeah um and they got to genoa and the genoese were so impressed with this group of people they were like you guys can be citizens. You want to be citizens? You can You can stay here. And most hell of them yeah. were like, hell yeah. Hell yeah, I'll stay here. That's like Nicholas was undeterred. He kept going and okay. he got to the Pope. He somehow met the Pope and the Pope was like, you need to go back to Germany. He died on the way back to Germany. Oh. So, <laughs> uh, Yo, that's, no rest that's, for the some, that's an interesting story because... It's like Nicholas would seem to be the one who had kept the faith throughout. Yeah. But also, if you if you were to look at it through a Buddhist lens, um, chose chose some version of asceticism over like the concept of like if you're hungry, eat. Like of like right. if you're being offered the re the reward of a hard earned, you know attempt at something accept it and he didn't and he met the pope and fucking the pope's word fucking killed him so to speak. yeah well i i actually think that the historical account as a parable is super interesting right mm -hmm. because because if we if we take some of the historical facts as as fact as canon that okay this wasn't about it's not children right it's the poor Mm -hmm. We're talking about the the downtrodden, mm -hmm. the downtrodden realizing their place in life sucks, mm -hmm. and they want something different. Right. So obviously, it didn't work out for them in mm -hmm. well for them in real life, but it didn't not work out well for them. Right. But the parable, the parable is children who leave their daily toil will be sold into slavery. Mm -hmm. It's it, it gets reframed into another story about holding on to the societal norms. Yep. Right? Like it's just another it's just another way of describing why people should stay in their lane. Mm -hmm. Never never ask or attempt to do anything more mm -hmm. and should just allow themselves to to do what is told of them. Mm -hmm. And 
by the church, by the aristocracy, by whoever. God's not talking to you. God's God's not going to tell you to go wage a crusade because if you try to, you're going to get sold into slavery. You know, mm-hmm. like in Tunisia where mm-hmm. you don't you don't want to probably. Um, I don't know. It's very interesting. Like you start to reframe this whole thing that mm-hmm. obviously doesn't hold a lot of we don't talk about the children's crusade like a lot but now but it was a you know a pretty heavy like it's a story that's been told and retold and retold um by a lot of different people uh in literature and yeah uh, music and stuff and it's just another it's just another way that the man keeps yep. you fucking down yeah boom that's the story of hey the crusades that was no that's as as we are the uh you know jumping off point for people who find this stuff interesting at least at least that was great yeah no there's definitely more crusades stuff to mine yeah, um of course uh, but another another so actually one last thing a a story that we know even better it's mm-hmm. an even better example of like don't well actually there's probably other lessons to learn in this the children's crusade is often used as the um uh influence or the the inspiration Mm -hmm. for the story of the pied piper ah which is very interesting yeah kind of has a different a different you know the pied piper is a story of a guy who plays the flute that gets all the rats to leave the town Mm -hmm. and he's like fuck you pay me i did a service mm-hmm. and the townspeople are like no we're not going to pay you and so he d- plays the music and he the children all kids act like all rats in the town he kills all the children yeah i don't know i, Maybe I, I don't know it's a great I story love that story so much <laughs> i love the idea of this dude who's like in the first half painted as like a very benevolent guy truly yeah. I'm and then an exterminator <laughs> and then he's like yo i'm not gonna sue I'm going to kill your children like rats. Yeah. I will do it. I'll fucking do it. Your kids are rats. Fuck you. <laughs> it's so it's so funny. The turn. <laughs> the people being like, yo, you're like, you're right that we should have paid him, but I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's not wrong, but this is, I mean, by anyone's standards, this is pretty intense, right, guys? This is extreme, right? Yeah. <laughs> We, it's it's an exterminator. He's an exterminator who who fucking <laughs> killed all their children instead, or uh, fiddled them out of town or whatever it was. Piped pi- pipe, whatever he did. Pipered them out of town. Pipered yeah, them. Love that. Um, let's but hear you. Let's, let's, let's talk. All right, all right. Let's go. All right. Let's so so, uh, thinking about this podcast turning thirty. This is the thirtieth episode. Yes, you know, and I feel like yeah. we were um, we tr- we we're constantly trying to expand, but in, yeah. in a very turning thirty kind of way. I figured okay. what I would love is for an episode to go off without a hitch. Okay, sure. <laughs> so close. I was trying to think of something super chill to do, but I just couldn't help myself because I'm weak. I'm weak, so yes, I typed in me. I typed in dimensions <laughs> into Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm so oh sorry. <laughs> I'm only a man. I'm only myself. I tried so hard to do something relatable and shit. But 
I couldn't, I literally, it's funny because <laughs> you even said the thing about like, are we just like atoms and shit? Because the yeah. thing that made me think of it is, um, I was wondering if we are made up of a lot of dots that are moving around or if we're made okay. up of a bunch of squiggly lines that are, uh, squiggling around together. Very interesting. Right? Yeah. What's the essence? I okay. Can I tell you a a a um a, a primitive theory from okay. my own brain? Please. That this is, is like why. completely completely unacademic. Some when I like I very one of the first times I ever got high. Mm-hmm. I got so high that I imagined myself as like um like um like a funnel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like, and every single like atom on my body was just like just filtering. It was just funneling sensory data, and so mm-hmm. like your skin can feel right, and so you're just yeah. like it's just like you feeling different like sensory. You're you're tasting, you're smelling, you're seeing, you're just processing information, mm-hmm. like you are just and then and your brain is just like taking it all in and like trying to like funnel it through like your body and like understand it all Mm -hmm. and 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 so it made me feel very i I don't know where i'm going with this besides to say that like that i feel like is a dimension if 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 robot if and when robots get sentience like Mm -hmm. achieve sentience right it will be no different from like humanity in that sense, mm-hmm. and it will be in this like in same if not different dimensions of just like funneling information and processing it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's in line with what. No, you're I mean about. because like that's I mean that's kind of like exactly along the lines I was thinking of, where it's like everything we do, we like to use the word cycles, which is just another way of saying the peaks and troughs of, of waves, so right. to speak. Everything we do is is waves. Everything mm. that exists is waves. But it's like also dots. <laughs> it's also dots. Yep. But it's also waves. And, um, and what I was thinking about, music, music was what, what brought me to this because music is very much considered like the purest art form Hmm. because music especially non-lyrical music right is is a true appeal to the subconscious because there are literally no verbal cues that Hmm. are that are uh appealing to your learned structured dots brain right yeah if we're thinking of like science as dots brain and then like woo woo spirituality as waves brain kind of, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So then music is a literal is a a, a communication only through waves and not dots only through squigglies. And there are true like mathematical aspects to it where like the sea the C is like a like something about like the ratios of the waves and the height. 
something about how like the notes that we take in that like religious thoughts and i religious people have characterized as being holy notes and stuff like that have like a mathematical yeah it's prominence uh, in their frequency it's empirical right yeah that 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 would be the i think you might have already said it but like no no but you're thank you it's empirical in the sense that you can you can understand it Mm -hmm. like i i i can't because i am tone deaf but right and like i can only articulate it or understand it to a certain degree but that's that's exactly kind of what it is right yeah i mean like if someone has perfect pitch like it's like it's the same as being under being able to understand that a mathematic equation is fact right Right. like if you have perfect pitch and you can you can hear a c note Mm -hmm. that is a c note Mm mm-hmm but it, but actually the question is is it right like th- this is the funky part where it's like i don't know i'm look we're looking at a color diagram and i say this is red is mm-hmm. it and it might not it, i it might not actually be the same we don't know what other people are experiencing so it might mm-hmm. not be the same for anyone like you know what right. I mean? Does that right. That's where that's where you know usually we think of the dots as being empirical and the squigglies being a little abstract, but that's a great example of where the squigglies are empirical, but the yeah. function of our dots is abstract. Yeah. So that's why I was thinking, and we haven't even got into the Wikipedia, um, which is great because yeah, uh, for me, as soon as I start seeing equations, right, a goodbye goodbye we are we have not really gone down the subject of math on the hegelian friendship simulator because the wikipedia pages don't make no goddamn sense i already did my minimum requirement i actually exceeded my minimum high school requirement thank you very much Mm -hmm. um fucking parabolas and asymptotes baby but i don't fucking as soon as an equation comes up i do not understand it but there's something about you know the waves like if you have ever seen like a cgi of like the sun moving flying through space and then earth moving around it it's like if you look at it from an angle that's just another wave on another wave that's circling the drain of the galaxy we're in a marble yeah in someone's packet of marbles in another universe we're all thank you men in black for explaining that to me Yeah. yeah Yeah, seriously. Uh, men, in, men in Black with that fucking... With those like little like movie ending just, moments where you're just... Just the mic kid, drop. The mic yeah. drop of all mic drops. Like, oh, wait. Wh- wait, what? <laughs> yeah, wait. I'm just in a locker in a galactic train station? Oh, fuck. <laughs> ants on a log. Um, Ants on a log. So yeah, I, I, I mean... about dimensions. It, it is interesting. Like, it, it, it strikes me... That there's clearly a, um, well, we've developed, did, have we developed math as if our, <laughs> or all of this stuff, as if we're discovering the, like, um, we're dusting off a book that's like the truth of the universe, or is our development of all of these concepts and things just us trying to explain a, a a, uni- a chaotic universe um, 
like trying to put trying to corral the chaos into something that we can easily identify and discuss like the i i, I want to go back to colors because i think it's kind of an easy thing like we've given these name um these name signifiers for mm-hmm. colors mm-hmm. but like i don't know my my Sydney, my wife, always mm-hmm. jokes with me. I have a like a crew neck sweatshirt that's obviously gray, and everyone's agreed that it's gray. But of course, she it's gray. All you wear like, is gray. Yeah, yeah, I'll wear that and a pair of like blue shorts, and she'll go, "Oh, you're dressed in all blue today." And like, like I can't tell if she's fucking with me or if she legitimately <laughs> thinks that this gray sweatshirt is blue. That's but, um, funny because knowing Sydney, she very easily could just be absolutely fucking with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like a four-year-long joke. Yeah, but um, but at the same time, colors, as objective as they are, are yeah. also extremely subjective. Mm-hmm. When you add in the layer of the fact that some people are colorblind, mm-hmm. um, that. I mean, I don't know if there's other qualifiers beyond <laughs> that. Um, or I guess maybe like that there's cultural signifiers where yeah. like like maybe culturally two colors that would be different in one culture mm-hmm. are the same. Are right, right. The same. There's just aren't the words. Understanding the understanding of it. The linguistics of it. Are, are, mm-hmm. so, so then it starts to break down and you're like, okay, no, this is all man-made. Yeah. Um, I mean, like in Japan, we use the word blue to talk about green lights. Hmm. On like stop stoplights, you know, it's like red, yellow, blue. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So ultimately, the labels don't really matter. If well, I don't know when I was getting out of that. No, no. I, but I hear you. I mean, I guess my it strikes me is dimension uh, just another thing where we're just making up ways to signify something that we Yo. don't understand yeah 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 i think that's or i think that was what there, i was hoping to get to is there inalienable truths to dimension that are structured around some sort of like higher being because i i would say if if dimensions are s- fact then they are sacred mm-hmm. Then they, mm-hmm. then they, then they signify something, something larger than us, mm-hmm. and they they imply that there are dimensions beyond those which we can understand. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. That, like. Yeah. No. But that's kind of that's kind of what it is with like the talk about any trinity, blah blah blah. Right. It's mm-hmm. like it's one or the other. Well, what if it's an amalgamation of both that happens mm-hmm. to be incomprehensible to us? Right. So so I do think of I do think of higher dimensions as that where it's like they're they're to someone somewhere higher dimensions are empirically measurable. Mm-hmm. But very much in the sense that if you live in a two-dimensional space and you have no you literally do not have the concept of up available to you, can you comprehend up, you know? Right. And so, and yeah. so I was thinking about that shit. I was thinking about that shit while I was I was on this walk, listening to some fucking like music that you would fucking hate, Nicholas. Oh, you would hate it so much. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I would. But it's just this idea guts. of like, is very not the mountain gets. Um, where it's like we have three dimensions for space, the way we understand it, 
Yep. And we talk about time as a dimension. But I think the jury's out on in the science world on whether you consider time a dimension that is that falls under the same umbrella as space, or we just call right. it a dimension, blah, blah, blah. Right. But then I'm like, what if we broke down time as as an actual dimension separately? And what if past, future, and present were three different dimensions of time, the way X, Y, and Z are different dimensions? Now, in this case, you would have to fully divorce yourself from the idea of time being linear. Right. But the eternal now being the fourth dimension, because that is all we ever experience. We never experience past. We never experience future. Right. It's impossible to. These are just theoretical ideas in our head. They're play yeah, placeholders or Yeah. And it only kind of makes sense because we adhere to entropy. Okay, all right. Yes, and I do. Do do you do you want to keep going? Keep going. Keep going. Oh no no no! This is one of those topics where like the moment you interrupt me, I'm off the hook for a sec. Okay, all right. So because I don't know what I'm saying, I don't know what I'm saying in most of this. Well, because because I think if theoretically there are other sentient beings in the universe, Mm -hmm. based on purely on how they um begin the, how they evolve or how who, however they come to be the way that they are mm-hmm. that they could measure their existence measure things on different scales mm-hmm. like we measure our dimensions on space or right. uh, on like on how much space we take up mm-hmm. but I don't this is this is kind of goes back to like the idea that like all of these things are just trying to understand a chaotic world which we do not understand. Right. We could have just as easily maybe not just as easily, but I think it's entirely possible that we could have developed humans could have developed as a species understanding dimensions based on time or sound or mm-hmm. something completely different. Like Yeah. Three dimen- we came to this idea of three dimensions and we talk about it as if it's like empirical fact, but very well could have been something different. We could have we could have justified through a mathematical equation something completely different with how we mm-hmm. view the world. And what if like well, in, in and yeah. the concept of in and out was somehow right. like was somehow like pasted onto our understanding of of like scientific mathematical space and we discovered different dimensions previously like yeah not discovered but like we're able to measure or make sense of dimensions that are yeah, different than we the ones we interpreted them. Yeah. yeah yeah i i don't know man this is some weird ass shit that i was just thinking about but i you know oh man this is this is like this is the part where like family if you're listening if you're still listening and you want to stop listening and disassociate yourself from me i like go right on ahead because this is like some weird shit this thought i had while i was walking and listening to this music it's like all right we have the three dimensions of space boom first yeah first order of trinity uh, understood interpreted yeah. we are first order beings within the okay. realm of sentience right yeah all right time we see is four 
Oh, sorry. Preface. I think scientists are saying there's like 11 dimensions. Okay. That we understand. And they got there somehow. Yeah. But let's sure. just say. Let's, let's just say it. it's 11. We'll accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kind of crazy that the most holy number, uh, based on the woo-woo, more wavy understanding of ex- existence, is, is, is 12. 12 is like mm-hmm. the God yeah. number. And we, mm-hmm. we have discovered 11 dimensions. Mm-hmm. So the first three are space. Yeah. And if we were to see time as three different dimensions of past, future, and present, boom, okay. you have your second order. Yeah. You have your three second order that allows you to, once you understand that, maybe begin contemplating uh, seven through nine, whatever that may be. Seven is a very interesting number religiously as well. I'm not going to get into that because, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. But it's interesting that you kind of reach this understanding or interpretation of the number seven after you contemplated that time is not real. At okay. least in the linear sense that we've been led to believe. Time, yeah, yeah, yeah. entropy is concretely real. In the sense that we're all going to age and we're all going to die. Yeah, yeah, we are. We we have yet to be proven wrong about that. So it's fair to assume, right? Yeah. Whether you can begin making conclusions about the universe as a whole based on that, I think that's a little presumptuous. But we're stuck stuck on seven. We haven't yet articulated four through six dimensions as time. We haven't agreed on... An articulation of that yeah but if we were to go would, off of this idea that i had on a walk in fucking manhattan beach california one morning four through six could all be the second order of dimensions that is time did you figure out what's the third order are we are we at what are we oh no well we that's where well out. that's where that's where i'm wondering like time kind of is like expressed more in waves than dots i think um yeah so if we say the first three dimensions are the dot the dot dimensions. Okay, well, here's another I mean I what about planes of in existence? Right. So so um if we are this big this is a big if, but if mm-hmm. we are to accept this the whole conversation concept, is yeah, a big if. The conception of the soul, mm-hmm. it's like pre pre birth. Mm-hmm. Life, death. Mm-hmm. So there's another three. Yeah. Is that is that is that in the plane of past, present, future? I don't know. Maybe. Um. Maybe, but but the existential, internal, like timeless contemplation of that, in the sense that like you can in your brain you can think about it in an instant. You can contemplate your entire past, future, and present. And boil it down in an instant in your brain. Right. Whatever that faculty is, maybe that's seven through nine. Or some version of whatever, higher, whatever. Yeah. Right? That is maybe the Holy Spirit as, as if we were to if we were to, you know, keep yeah. adhering to these like human whatever. I don't fucking know. But like I, I was don't thinking, know. No, it's interesting. But is this awakening of the human soul and spirit in the 21st century that is clearly happening? 
And I think it's it's very concretely happening because some spiritual leaders and blah 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 have been talking about it for a hundred years, and it's it's physically coming to. Dude, the, to the thing, the thing that I so, please and say say like say whatever you're. Yeah, no. The thing that I find more interesting through this all mm-hmm. is is the the ways through which it shapes how we live. Mm-hmm. Because because I am fully accepting of the fact, in many many ways, that I will never see the end of this project. Which, yeah. Like like life life to me, in many ways, feels like a collective project. Mm-hmm. Like like you know as if as if every man and woman on this earth has been born into agreeing to like build the you know allegorical tab- tower of babel essentially mm-hmm. right right and yeah. like like that's it that's all we're here for is to like mm-hmm. figure it it's like a giant puzzle we're here to figure it out i'll never see the end of it mm-hmm. and and in fact the end is likely more than likely millions of years off you know like it's not it, we we love to have the arrogance to say that this is some imminent like we're like right at the end in reality like a hundred years, no, five hundred years from now, they will say th- how how primitive were the people at the turn of the century? Yeah, you know? like that, yeah. that's and so so. What I think is cool is mm-hmm. what this kind of conversation means for us all collectively and how we see the world. Mm-hmm. And I guess to go back full circle to like the Crusades is like you know like think about f- from. 1090 to 1290 AD mm-hmm. and like the framework of you're born let's say you're born in 11 1130 AD mm-hmm. you're lucky you get 70 years on earth mm-hmm. you're you're born in Genoa let's say because we mm-hmm. talked about Genoa Italy your life is framed around a fan- like constantly around you is a fanatical urge by people in your culture and community to go like reconquer the holy land Mm -hmm. it's all you know from start to finish like that's it and and so i guess i think ideas are a dimension Mm, fun i I think that the 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 way that ideas work spread in much the same way. Like like they're they're clearly there there's clearly a plane which is like cognitive association. Mm-hmm. Whether it's I don't know if I don't know what the word would be like language or yeah, I mean like dude or or consciousness. Right. But to me, that is a dimension that has yeah. to be. It's yeah. what connects us all, right? Mm-hmm. I language yeah. is the language is the physical um, manifestation of consciousness, mm-hmm. and consciousness is the dimension through which we are all connected. It's yeah. So Terence McKenna <laughs> <laughs> said. Talk, talks about talks about language in a very similar way in the sense that it's like it's it's absolutely wild that like small mouth sounds when manipulated in simple ways can 
alter the entire realities of people's existences. Right. And there's no way to know exactly how and when they work. But the tiniest single expulsion of waves based on the vibrations of the vocal cords of a fucking meat sack primate right can change the entire course of a planet's history of the planet's existence you know hitler the fact that hitler's like olympic speech was like the first transmitted television waves or whatever you know it's like yeah language is absolutely fucking wild and he talks about how like language is gonna eventually evolve from these small mouth sounds that are that are trying to fit within archaic very like human structures of understanding to telepathy which isn't so much reading each other's minds but communicating non-verbally which is Mm. more than 50% of our communication as humans yeah non-verbal body language physicality tone yeah little little change the tiniest changes can mean the biggest difference yeah well and i feel like he under i mean he underestimates maybe he doesn't the role of the internet in that all right well i mean he he died in 2000 so like yeah he hasn't even seen the fucking plugging into the internet and like the the hive mind right it's very interesting i don't know very very interesting i i would say i think this is a perfect we stopping put a, point. yep we put a fucking pin on this right here right now yeah uh perfect stopping point great ep um went off without a hitch free Palest- yeah free palestine free palestine my, my last my last little plug uh, I, but I endless support for the global Jewish community and yeah. free Palestine yeah absolutely and 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 um, no we're excited yeah. uh, about the conversations we had today hopefully we get some feedback I'd love to hear what people think um, and uh, thank you for listening uh, thank you, you for can listening get us on t- Twitter and Instagram email us at hegelianfriendshipsimulator at gmail.com yep. uh, episode 30 baby episode 30 episodes 30. in Boom. let's do yeah. it we love you and I don't say this lightly take it easy <laughs> take, take it, it easy. easy and keep it sleazy I don't say that lightly either